0: Today, we have Rose Campbell, who is a mother's advocate, business owner, and doula-turned well-recognized lifestyle and motherhood blogger, and the reigning Mrs. The Woodlands 2021. She is also a publicist and TV host. She currently co-stars in Stork's Nursery, which is a YouTube reality nursery design show where she uses her skills and experience to design and build the nursery of every family's dreams. She has been influential across the nation, championing mothers in areas of extreme importance, such as postpartum depression, childhood mortality, and partnering with nonprofits and organizations to impact lasting change and support parents where they most need it. She found herself in need of support herself when she was diagnosed with peripartum cardiomyopathy in 2019, shortly following the birth of her fifth child. Rose has not only survived her diagnosis, but has thrived as she works with charity PPCM Fund to spread information and awareness of this life-threatening condition. We hope you enjoy getting to know Rose. Hi, sisters. Hey. Yay. Well, welcome
1: back to another week. I just can't believe, I feel like time is flying. It's almost summer and I'm weirded out by it, but I'm happy for the weather for sure.
0: I know it is. It's, I can't believe there's only like what five or six weeks of school left. It's crazy. I know
1: I'm having <laughs> mom. Like, I don't even know what to call it. Freak outs 'cause Cause my first kindergartner is going to be a first Aww, grader. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> But anyways, we're super excited to have Rose Campbell with us. We're just going to jump right in to get to know Rose. Thank you, Rose, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yay. Well, I'm so excited to get to know you more. I met you through a mutual friend, and there is just so much that you have going on. So we'd love to just kind of get to know you, where you grew up, and kind of how you got to where you are today.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I am. I was born and raised in Houston. I was in foster care until I was about nine years old and then I was adopted. I, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was definitely different. Mm -hmm. I don't really talk about it that much recently. I've been talking about it more and more. Um, I'm not really in contact with my adoptive family, but I did find my birth family when I was uh, 22. So that was very interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's um, super interesting. Yeah. Um, I have five kids and a couple different businesses. And so that's just basically, that's basically me. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I would love to know. I didn't even realize you were adopted. I would love to know more about just, is that something that you get passionate about with kids and the foster system? Because I know I have some friends that you know have fostered to adopt and then some, we have a family member that's adopted and just like the different ins and outs of kind of the system. Is that something you get passionate about or is it something you prefer to like stay away from talking about?
2: (laughs) Um. No, I get very passionate about it. It's something that I really want to do, but with having five kids under seven, it's not really an option for us. But as soon as my it's youngest the time. turns four, yeah, yeah. It, they won't let me until my old my youngest turns four. Then they're like, "You can foster and adopt all you want." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna do it. You told me I could, so I am." I think I really <laughs> want to do like emergency, um, where they the emergency placement. And um, uh-huh. the emergency placements I was in personally were not that great and so I feel like yeah. that might be better for for us a child really connects with our family we will definitely adopt they want I mean I was six years old and I was demanding I'm like you're, no one's adopting me and um, the judges was like well, she doesn't want to be adopted she can't be adopted and so it wasn't oh. until I was nine I was like okay you can adopt me Aww. <laughs> but I had been to so many different families and it wasn't always you know the greatest experience. and um, the yeah. last family I was with had 17 kids and I thought it oh was a blast. God. and then I went to a family of one and it was a baby and I was you know almost nine years old and I was just like, I'm no, you're not adopting me. I <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: um,
2: also thought my mom was gonna come back because she didn't lose custody of me until I was five yeah so um, i i really wanted her to come back but that wasn't i didn't know at the time but it wasn't going to be an option even if she had straightened out
1: so yeah oh that's so rough i'm so sorry to hear that i can't imagine that's a lot to go through at such a young age
0: do you have a relationship with your birth mom now or um
2: so she actually um, was killed when I was after a year. So when I was ten years old she had she had died. Mm. So oh, but gosh, I'm so I am in contact with her sister and and her daughters and it's it's a kind of weird feeling because I knew my mom was young but I didn't realize that she was that young. So she was only fourteen when she had me. Wow. Oh wow. And, wow. Yeah. so she would oh, she would be my husband's age. <laughs> and so when I found that out, I was like, "Oh. Okay, it's a little different, <laughs> you know." Uh, wow. So, yes, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I I really wanted her to come back, but I mean, the family I was with didn't even know she had passed away. I didn't find out until my dad my birth dad like showed up on my my doorstep <laughs> and was like I am looking I've been looking for you for a long time and I was like oh I don't know you go away <laughs> so wow. I ended up hiring hiring an investigator and they they found my birth mom's death certificate and everything and, and so yeah
0: I would imagine that so I don't even know the word just traumatizing and how do you feel like I'm sure that life experience has kind of shaped who you've become today. Do you want to dive into that deeper and kind of share just what you feel like the blessings that came out of such a trial in your life and maybe things that you carry with you today, or maybe even how you mother or just anything that came from it?
2: Yeah, I would say the one thing I am is maybe a little overprotective. <laughs> because I know, yes. I know what's out there. And Right, understandably so. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know that your foster parents, if they go out of town, you can't go with them. And so you get left in, like, a group home or um, emergency placement. And, again, those places aren't usually that great in my experience. And so there's a lot of bad things that happen. And so now I'm, like, very protective of my kids. Like, they they don't spend the night anywhere. I don't care, you know. And it's sexual awareness, uh, sexual abuse month. For children this month and and that's something like that's very close to home for me but as far as blessings I'm blessed Mm -hmm. that I was part of the public system and was able to go to therapy I mean that was something that was mandatory for me I don't know if it's mandatory anymore for kids I hope it is but it was something that I was able to work through yeah and if I didn't have that I think I would would have been one of the statistics of you know, because they have the statistics for foster kids, you know, um, when they're adopted, o- when they're older, of mm-hmm. having, like, a higher chance of drugs and and going to jail, you know. Um, and so if I hadn't had that, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I would have done drugs or gone to jail, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I was very blessed. And since I was in that public with CPS, I, I did get the therapy I needed. Until I was 25, they paid for me to have therapy until I was 25. So this year, um, it finally stopped. Wow, that's awesome. But, wow,
0: that's so cool. So you, to, I guess to fast forward a little bit, so you got adopted and then became an adult. And then is it my understanding that you have spent most of your time as a doula? Is that correct? Yes.
2: Yeah, so I was homeschooled. I got my bachelor's degree at 17, got married at 18, had my first kid at 19. And it was a horrible experience. So I was like, I'm becoming a doula. (laughs) Um, And then after that, I, I started midwifery school and I did all that up until COVID. And then when COVID hit, I wasn't allowed in the hospitals anymore. And even virtually, you know, the nurses were like, oh, you can't be recording. It's like, we're not recording. We're just, we're just talking video chat and, you know so it's so much liability so i ended up just closing my practice and not doing that anymore but i did do it for 6 years and wow it was it was fun i mainly focused on high risk moms and moms who had um, stillbirth so wow. can
3: you explain okay. what sorry i don't think i even know what a doula actually does <laughs> I'm like, wait, what is that? <laughs> this is our uh,
1: youngest sister who doesn't have kids yet. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So, a lot of times du- people think doulas are, like, only home birth, all about the natural. And me personally, I was a high-risk mom. I wasn't allowed to, you know, give birth at home. And so, I hired a doula to help me through pain management. And you, ha- I had to hire a specific doula, though, because a lot of them aren't trained in, like, epidurals. And so, basically, a doula is there to help you with the pain management. If you get the doula, uh, the epidural, they can do like move you around because a lot of people just think you have to just lay there after you have an epidural. And so, they'll they'll move you around. They'll get you drinks. I mean they don't replace your husband they you know usually husbands are like sitting there and just on their computers watching tv um, but they get they get their husbands involved you know i've only had it where only two husbands were like i'm out nope i can't do it um, but usually i get the husbands involved you know they're doing the hip squeezes they're helping with the pain management but i also did epidural moms too so you can't just lay there after your epidural it will stall your delivery So the way you can do that is just moving side to side. And the nurses usually have more than one patient and they don't have time to, you know, move you side to side. And, and so that was my job. Wow.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. And what special person that you must be to be able to be that type of support for, you said you specialized in stillbirths too. So I, imagine that's moms who know that they're going into labor knowing that their babies is still born. And I just, I can't imagine that. So you must have special gifts.
2: <laughs> well, I think it was, I had, I've had two stillbirths and three miscarriages and um, mm. it was just something that I felt moms needed the support for. And so I, I would usually Absolutely. get a call from a nurse at the hospital who, who would tell me, and this family just went through this, found out, I told them to call you. You should probably expect a call. And um, so usually I'd get a call and I'd show up and, you know, I had the resources to help them get a lot of people don't know. You can do like photographs with with the baby and, you know, those last Mm -hmm. moments and stuff. And there's a lot of charities that I would work with that would bring in support and help for funeral costs. I don't know if a lot of people realize that if you have a, um, a miscarriage or stillbirth after 18 weeks, you have to take that baby with you. Mm-hmm. The, the hospital doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's not like a, mis- a regular, you know, I say regular, but um, a yeah. preterm, you know, from the first trimester miscarriage. But even then, you have to, right. you know, figure out what to do. And yeah. so right. if you have the baby, even I think it's actually 14 weeks after 14 weeks, you have to have a funeral or not a funeral, but you have to, you have to take the baby with you. And so a mm-hmm. lot of moms you know, they shouldn't have to be burdened with, not burdened, but, you know, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't have that stress on top of them as well. And so that's our job is to help bring that in. There's a lot of different charities that will make like wedding, make dresses out of wedding dresses for, for the babies and stuff. And so it was just something that I was very passionate about.
0: Yeah. And what, just what a gift that you are in a light to having gone through it yourself. So I think that you being there and them knowing that you've walked that journey yourself I think there's so much comfort and hope in that as well and it's ironic that you mentioned the wedding dress thing so I actually donated my wedding gown for that purpose my son is a micro preemie and so um, there's an organization out of Fort Worth who who does that and to donate to the preemies who don't make it Wow. so anyway that's that's super cool So you, COVID forced you to kind of turn your focus to other things besides uh, your doula experience. And so where, what are you focusing most on right now? I know a lot of things were listed in your bio, but kind of what is your main focus right
2: now? Right now, it will be my Mrs. Woodlands. I'm competing for Mrs. Texas title. And with that, my platform is um, lowering maternal death rate in Texas. And getting Texas off the top 10 for maternal death, you know, that we shouldn't really, oh, wow. we shouldn't be in that category. Um, and a lot yeah, of people will yeah. tell me, oh, well, Alaska is bigger and we're the second state. I'm like, Alaska's not on that list. <laughs> you, you know? Right. Um,
0: yeah. What is, do you know the stats just out of curiosity? Because I have no idea. Um
2: one in eight moms will, will die after childbirth. Are you birth. serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea. Well, okay, so when doing the the death certificates, they do up to 6 months of of postpartum and they that is considered more maternal mortality. So, if they commit suicide mm-hmm. from postpartum depression, that that'll be on there. Mm-hmm. Um and honestly, it should be up to a year. And so, if they do that though, that'll that will triple the rate. But wow. it's that and then hemorrhaging, a lot of them a lot of like doctors will not give you extra tests or anything. And so right now I'm pushing for the BMP and the BPN test. You know, I had five pregnancies that were just horrible. And then on top of that, the stillbirths and the miscarriages. And it wasn't until this last one where they were like, Oh, maybe we should send you to a high risk doctor. And it's like, really? Why didn't you do that before? I mean, my pregnancies were absolutely horrible. I spent most of my time in the hospitals with blood clots. I even had twins. My first stillbirth was my third and it was twins and it was one one was a stillbirth and one was IUGR at thirty two weeks she had stopped growing at their at twenty nine weeks and they kept arguing with me and I was like, My due dates right, you know. And it's just they are not listening to moms is what it boils down to. If they actually listen to moms and sent them to high risk doctors, then maybe things could actually Mm -hmm. get done and we could get off that list and so that's something I'm pushing for is just because they only have high blood pressure at the end doesn't mean that they needed that they didn't need to see a a high-risk doctor you know instead they'll just induce them and it's like well you don't get to the cause of why her blood pressure was that high why she had preeclampsia and a bmp test or a bpn test which is only 30 dollars if you don't have insurance would figure that out if it was heart related or infection related or they just do a regular cbc plant panel and just adding those tests with a lot of moms there's been a couple this year alone even when one was a cardiologist and she she just fell over after three months of postpartum and they ruled it as a heart yeah. condition that they had no idea she had that was pregnancy and postpartum related And so it wasn't until my fifth, three months in, I'm at postpartum, I'm at a birth myself as a doula and my left side goes numb. And the the OBGYN looks at me and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I do not feel well. Something is wrong. You do not go to this hospital if it's a heart condition. You need to drive 15 minutes to this hospital and go there. Otherwise you won't, they won't look at your heart. And so I did, and I was having a stroke, and um, oh they they said I was going into cardiac arrest, and they needed to figure out why. And I had just come back from Mom Congress. I don't know if y'all heard of that, but it's where moms go, uh-uh. our birth professionals, moms go, and they they go to D.C. and they go to the Capitol and Congress, and they fight. Basically, they go and they talk to their congressmen and about all these and women, um, all about all the bills that need to be passed, everything that needs to happen. And I met Lindsay Peterson with PPCM fund. And I, she was the reason they ran the test they did. And that was, I only said it because she told me I said, something is wrong with me. And it sounds like what you went through. What do I ask them for? And I told, looked to the doctor and I said, like, do a BNP test and do a PP, uh, a BPN test. And tell me, please. I don't know what's going on. He goes, that's actually a really good idea. I keep telling OBs that they need to run these tests after postpartum. And I'm like, are you serious? Why, why don't they? And he's like, well, they just, they don't want to. Um, okay. okay.
0: You wouldn't think that it would, I was like trying to just think through the reasons why they might push back, which I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, but I don't see there being any risk to them for running. It's just a blood test, right?
2: Yeah. Um, they would end up having to go to a high risk doctor is what it is. And they lose, mm. they lose out on money. Basically. Uh, what it boils down to, they, they won't have that patient anymore.
0: Mm, gotcha. But so they just say like everything else in our country.
2: Yeah. But they say it boils down to money. Yeah, basically. But they say one in three moms will have, will have, um, uh, preeclampsia wow dang and that is crazy yeah.
0: yeah so you were diagnosed with tell us
2: so it is i was diagnosed with ppcm which is peripartum cardiomyopathy which a uh, pregnancy related blood clotting disorder that can affect basically if you have that they can tell if you have cancer they can tell like what brought it on and for me it was a, a protein C and S deficiency, which is a blood clotting disorder. And hmm. which would explain why I had so many blood clots in pregnancy. It's only pregnancy related. It has nothing like after a year postpartum, you're in the clear.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: And so it, it literally is only pregnancy and postpartum related. Um, and it's something my children will have because it is genetic. And it's something that I can watch one of the signs would be like um heavy periods and stuff like that and and i had all of that and so i just it was just a bummer (laughs) you know like i saw so many doctors i was in the hospital so much and it was like house My, my husband always said that it was like an episode of house they just kept running different tests with different things but it was nothing that was even relevant like when ebola was around. <laughs> they they tested me for right. Ebola. They thought maybe I had Ebola. And I'm like, I haven't been out out of the country. Well you're taking twenty four vials yeah. of blood for oh no re- reason. Like, what is this? Oh um, Yeah. Yeah.
3: I I can relate, Rose, that just having some major or not ma- health issues, you I've learned quickly that you really have to be your own advocate and got like I've had to go to the ER multiple times cuz my condition and they're like asking me what I think they should do. <laughs> I'm like, is this oh, yeah. real? Like, are you really asking me what I think you should do to for me? Like, yes, right? And well, I even had worried. my yeah, no, I was going to say my recent PCP, which is a primary care doctor, even legit told me, "I'm sorry, you need to find a new PCP cuz I won't" Refer you any more to your specialty doctors, and I was just like, "Is this real life? Like, it's just so great." The medical industry is mind-boggling to me, and people don't realize it. I think until you are greeted with, you know, a health, a major health issue, or you know, things that you're even talking about.
2: Well, it was like I, I've been to the the ER, and they're like googling, and like they'll pull up a WebMD, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like, you went to school, right? (laughs) Like, I don't know. But I mean, even with my third, I had to fight them. Even my husband had to fight them. I'm at 36 weeks. I'm like, my water has broken. No, ma'am, peed your pants. I'm like, no, something is wrong. My water has broken. I'm 36 weeks. And I went to the hospital. And the doctor never even showed up. The nurse was like, the doctor just told me to send you home. And I'm like, what? You're not even going to check me? No ma'am I'm like okay but but why That's crazy and that was that was when after two days I was finally like we're just gonna go to a different hospital and just see what they say and we went to the teaching hospital and they were like ma'am you had one of your one of your babies passed away and something's wrong with your other and, re- and that was when and I had to mm-hmm. argue with my other doctor about it though and what it boiled down to was I had refused a c-section. <laughs> And she argued with me my whole pregnancy. I was like, "There's no reason for me to have a C-section." Well, your other babies mm-hmm. were big, and I didn't tear, and I didn't have any issues. They, they still came out. There was no reason for me. Yeah. And they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Which I don't even, I don't even understand yeah. why they do that. But the answer for everything yeah. is a C-section. I just... Which you know, that's yeah. so much harder for moms. Everybody's like, oh, that's that's, that's Yeah, like... with
0: recovery and stuff.
2: Yeah, everybody thinks that it's, like, the easy way out, and it's not. I mean.
1: Yeah, I had two C-sections, so I don't know, like, what's better. But all I know is I basically did both with my first, like – got to attend pushed for two and a half hours and then had a c-section so it was like yeah horrible oh, but everybody God. was healthy yeah everybody was healthy and i was okay and so and my honestly my second c-section i will say was like piece of cake be compared because my first experience was so rough but
2: yeah because you had the two in one yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what I'm hearing and, and I've experienced this firsthand as well just being in hospital bed rest for almost a month before my son was delivered at 27 weeks but it is like what Kristen said you just have to become your own advocate and I think we know our bodies best and and then also not being afraid to change doctors and find the right fit for you and you know what somebody that will be on board with what you want and what your desires are and at least try. But that's crazy that they didn't even check your fluid because when I went in at 24 weeks and thought that my I kept leaking, and I actually thought I was peeing on myself too, but I knew that that was really early to be doing that. And so anyway, the first thing that they did, they like threw me in a wheelchair and then It only took like two seconds for them to test the fluid with a strip. So it's like, that's crazy. They wouldn't even test it at 36 weeks. That's wild. Super wild. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. Well, Rose,
0: I just love that you have turned your recent life experiences just in turning it into something good and just to try to make a difference in this crazy world and I appreciate you like opening our eyes to this this is something that I had no idea of and it seems like it's certainly a statistic that doesn't have to be there or not as high anyway for Texas so I just really appreciate you and even in your busyness as I can imagine with five little ones that you still find the time to make a difference so kudos to you Rose
1: yeah thank you and I'd love to hear a little bit if you wanted to talk about, you have a couple things that you do as well. You are part of something called the Storks Warehouse, I believe, where you do like a YouTube series on um, remodeling nurseries. And then you're also help with a company called Nestle, um, which we are, I'm like, maybe I should have a third baby just so I can use that Nestle mother's milk wrap. Um, but I didn't know if you wanted to talk about those things at all.
2: Oh, yeah. I- I am the PR and marketing person for the Nestle. I love the product myself. I used it for my last two, my last baby, and then I had a, the, the stillbirth in December, and it really helped like dry my milk up. So it's not only for pumping but it's also to help dry you up and so stuffing cabbage in your bra which is miserable it gets soggy and you know sticks to your breast <laughs> but it also it has belly band and then I heat it up and use it on my periods like on my my cramping it's oh like, cool um it goes with you my husband uses it on his neck it's an amazing product and it's the only reason I was like I'm gonna help you <laughs> I love the I love the. <laughs>
0: And this episode is supported by Nestle by Mama's Milk Grap, an evidence-based breastfeeding aid that offers full coverage, hands-free pumping, and a soft conforming design. The Nestle wraps around the breast, providing moist heat therapy to encourage letdown of your breast milk. Hot showers are usually recommended by doctors to encourage milk production, yet the Nestle allows you to stay dry and fold your laundry or do whatever you need to do at the same time. Heat and cold therapy of the Nestle lasts 20 to 30 minutes and can also be used on other parts of your body for pelvic pain or back pain. I would really love that because I have constant lower back pain. So really the Nestle is perfect for the entire household. It's also the perfect baby shower gift. The Nestle can act as a pregnancy belly support band and a postpartum belly compression band. Nestle is with you throughout your entire motherhood journey and beyond. And if that wasn't enough, the Nestle also comes with a free lactation consultation with one of their team experts. How cool. Nestle Mama's Milk Wrap is a product and a service for only $59.95. And just for our listeners of this podcast, they are offering 15% off. Go to mamasmilkwrap.com and enter the promo code SLEPTINMYMAKEUP to grab your Nestle and 15% off.
2: And then Stork's Nursery, I am a host for where we go and give moms their their nursery plus a year of diapers and wipes and three months of postpartum. So basically, the the reason we started that was to help again lo- lower the maternal mortality rate. And the reasoning would be moms don't have to deal with diaper uh, thinking of diapers and wipes and. They have the support they need postpartum. Um, and so that would lower the postpartum depression rate. And so that was the idea behind it. And, I love that. And so it, it took off. So right now we're taking a little break because I have other stuff going on, but um, we'll be filming again in October. So I'm really excited about that.
1: That's awesome. Oh, cool. And Yeah, it's really cool. And then you are involved with the PPCM fund. It's a charity. So I would love for people, you know, like us who just learned about your diagnosis to, you know, know where to go to find this charity. Is there like a website that people would go to to become more aware and maybe donate?
2: Yes. So you can donate on their PPCM.com com a website, or you can donate through Facebook. You can also donate through like PayPal. We have, they have a, um, I fund women account as well. Um, right now they're paying for moms who need the BNP and BPN tests, but they're also paying for heart transplants and, um, recovery for the whole family. Because again, we have to not only support the mom, we have to support the whole family. If the dad is supported and the kids are supported, then the mom's supported as well. And so they, they do all of that.
1: That's awesome. Definitely want to help spread the word if we can. This has been really informational. Like I want to talk to you more like all day because you you have probably some amazing <laughs> life stories and I'm like I want to see those five kids.
2: <laughs> oh. oh, they're yes. crazy. My son turned 7 today and so he's like Oh, today. Well, happy birthday. Universe.
0: Well, thank you, Rose. You were so sweet. Of course,
2: thank you for having me.
1: I was going to say, sorry, Lauren, I was going to say, I know a child's birthday is also the mom's birthday. So I was like, happy birthday to you. Um, I feel like seven's
2: a big deal. Oh man. It goes by so fast. Uh, Yes, it really
0: does. It does. Um, Well, thank you so much for spending time with us and we just appreciate you and who you are and what you're doing. And I'm so glad that our listeners are going to get a glimpse of of Rose as well.
1: How do people find you specifically?
2: Um, They can find me on Instagram at corralling the Campbells. Perfect. Awesome. Love it.
0: Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you with grateful hearts and Thank you so much for just reminding us that we are never forgotten. And I just pray that you help us to choose to believe that there is purpose in, in every season and that even in the seasons that are hard and might seem dark, but that you're always there right by our side. And we just thank you for that, that we always have you to rely on. Um, I pray for Rose. Thank you so much for putting us together. We always know that there, there is no coincidence and we just thank you for bringing her into our life and our podcast. And I pray for her and her family and the work that she is doing. And I pray that for your glory, God. And I pray for our listeners that everybody, um, just feels your love and, um, knows that they are, never alone and that they always have you by their side. Let us all have a great week and we just love you so much. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Rose. thank Thank you.
2: That was, that was great.
1: Thank you for listening to another week of girl. I slept in my makeup. If you like us rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us, go to our website, makeup.com, where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And yeah, make it a great week. God bless.